want to invite you to turn with me to 1 John, the book of 1 John, and we're going to be looking in uh, chapter 1 this morning. The book of 1 John, chapter 1, as we are spending a few weeks looking at the book of 1 John, and the theme of that book being the blessed assurance that we can have in our relationship with Christ. It is entirely possible for us to know that God is our Father, for us to know that we are His children, for us to know that His Spirit is at work within us, for us to know that God will always provide us with the peace and the presence and the power of God that we need. And if there's ever a time when we have needed that kind of assurance, it is in this time of cultural uncertainty and instability. So John is concerned that everyone who would read this letter, that they would be able to identify some of the the marks of a life that can have this blessed assurance in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I told you last week as we started this brief series, and I remind you again today, as I will every week, that my goal in this time together, it's not to confuse you. Instead, my goal is to provide a space that will bring you to one of two places, either a point of conviction or a point of comfort. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, my goal is to provide a space in which the Holy Spirit can move you to a point of comfort in knowing that you have that relationship. If you don't have that relationship with Christ, my prayer is that the Spirit will provide a space here to bring you to a point of conviction where you will want to have this assurance in your life. Because it's a question that uh, all of us struggle with, and some of us struggle with quite often, is this question of how do you know that your experience with God is genuine? How do you know that it is the real deal? And so what John does in his short letter is he makes several different points to help us understand how we can know that, how we can have this blessed assurance, and he really does that in no particular order, kind of over and over again. This is kind of a, a big difference, if I can chase a rabbit just for a second before we shoot it, uh, and then have rabbits too, that, uh, that, that John and Paul write so differently. If Paul was writing, that Paul was very linear in his thinking. Paul would go point one, point two, point three. Uh, John is, is a little bit more circular. John, as he writes the letter of 1 John, he'll point out maybe point one, point two, back to point one, point four, come to point three, back to point two, back to point four. And he kind of, it's very difficult to to outline or prepare to prepare to preach or teach from 1 John. So the the best way to approach the book is to to look at it in in broad terms, to see the, the big points that John makes and to spend some time looking at those assurances that he gives us. So here's the big idea that we're going to see today, okay? This is the the, the thesis of our time together. Here it is. The fact that you have an experience of fellowship with Christ allows you to lay hold of blessed assurance. I'll repeat that. It's not on the screen, but it's something I think it's important for you to to hear again and to memorize and to, to learn. Our point today is going to be this. The fact that you have had an experience of fellowship 
with Jesus allows you to lay hold of assurance. That's why the title of the message today is Experience as Assurance. Let's look at 1 John chapter 1. Let's first look at verses 1 and 2. John says, that which was which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Let me pause right here. This is so important. The reason that John was so sure about what he was teaching was because John himself had seen Jesus. John listened to him teach. John saw his miracles. John walked with him. He was an eyewitness to everything that Jesus did. John, this is important, John had a firsthand encounter and experience with the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. The authority from which John writes, in fact, the authority from which all the apostles based their ministry, was on the fact that Jesus was God come down from heaven. That's why John uses the language of manifest, that God manifested himself in sending Jesus to this earth. The proof for John that Jesus was the real deal wasn't just in what he said, that the proof wasn't just in in the things that he did. The the proof for John that Jesus was who he said he was, was the the miraculous power that Jesus possessed, and, and John got to experience that firsthand. And that experience gave him assurance. This is why he said, this life was made manifest. I've seen it. I testify to it. I proclaim to you the eternal life. He was convinced because he had firsthand seen Jesus. Now, you say, well, that's good for John, John Nolan too. And it's good for John the Baptist, and it's good for John the Apostle. It's good for folks named John, but my name's not John. So what good, well, my name kind of is, but yours isn't. <laughs> if it's good enough for, for John, if it's good enough, that's good for him. But what about me? I, we weren't firsthand witnesses. We didn't see and hear and touch like John the Apostle did. So what good does that do me? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked it. Because the answer is in verse 3. To where John says, that which we have seen and heard, that which was manifested to us by God, we proclaim also to you. This would be you means you. Everyone who would read this book after he wrote it so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Here is an important word in verse 3. It's the word fellowship. That does not translate as we might think it does to food. That word fellowship translates a word, koinonia, which means the participation, the, the sharing in something, joining something. Fellowship is, it's important, fellowship is an experience experiential word. It's not a mental word. It's not referring to mentally knowing something. 
When he talks about fellowship, he's talking about taking part in something by experience, knowing something not by your noggin, but knowing something by your experience. And John, catch what he said in verse 3, he wants us to have the same kind of experiential knowledge with God that he had. You say, Pastor, that's not possible. We haven't seen Jesus like John has seen Jesus. So how can we have the same kind of experiential knowledge with God that John had? I know y'all are asking great questions this morning. That's another good question. And to understand, you can just go right back to verse 2. This life of Jesus, this life of God, it was made manifest so that it can be seen. The words of Jesus that John heard, the miracles of Jesus which John saw, they were all a manifestation of life in God. And that life is which is one in which you and I can participate through fellowship. Let me set up this way for you. Now, we could take a lot of different things about Jesus, but let's just take his miracles, okay? One of the ways in which Jesus manifested to John and the other apostles that he was God was through his miracles. The miracles of Jesus never had as their ultimate purpose miracles. The miracles of Jesus were to point us to a greater reality of things that we can experience just like John experienced. Now, some of you are looking at me like a Catholic's new fence. So let me take just a second to, to give you a couple examples. Let's, let, let's take the miracle of Jesus in John chapter 6, where he feeds the 5,000. Remember that? They bring uh, a few fish, a couple loaves of bread. He multiplies it. He feeds the 5,000. Jesus explained that that miracle was a sign of God's power to satisfy because then he talks about how he's the bread of life. Remember that? And Jesus used that miracle to point to a greater reality, namely that he was the bread of life and that those who would come to him would find satisfaction for the hunger of their soul. Let me ask you, have you ever experienced that reality in your life? Have you ever experienced the fact that it, is, it truly is, it's only Jesus who can satisfy the hunger of your soul? Have you had that experience where your soul was longing for something and you tried to find satisfaction everywhere else, but to quote the great theologian, the Rolling Stones and Mick Jagger, you can't get no satisfaction until you found Jesus. And when you found Jesus, when you came to us with Jesus, Jesus, he filled that void. If that's been your experience, there it is. Experience as assurance. Or take an incident in Mark chapter 4, where Jesus and the disciples are on a sea, and Jesus begins to sleep. And he, while, while, while a storm is brewing, he's snoring. And all of a sudden, Marco and Laura come headed toward them on the Sea of Galilee. And the disciples are afraid, and Jesus is snoozing. They have to wake Jesus up. They say, don't you care that we perish? And Jesus was like, this is nothing. And Jesus spoke, peace be still, and the waters calmed down. Let me ask you something. Have you ever, that miracle is pointing to a greater reality. Have you ever experienced that moment in your life 
when Jesus stilled a storm or he gave you peace in your heart in the midst of a storm, showing you that it was under his control, if you've ever experienced that, that is proof that your fellowship is with Jesus. Here's the point. The reality that you experience or encounter God in your life, he's manifested in your life, that gives you the assurance that you belong to him. Christianity is about the experience of God in a relationship with God. Christianity is about experiencing God. I bet Lifeway would make a lot of money if they do a Bible study called Experiencing God. Uh, that, that it is about our encounter, our experience, with God. If you are a Christian, you have a firsthand spirit-given knowledge of God that is more than a mental exercise. It is a real experience. And that experience with God gives you assurance. You see, John said the word of life was made manifest a genuine experience with God, fellowship, that is when the word of the gospel comes alive in your heart. And look, that manifestation happens at the moment of your conversion, but that's not where it stops. It happens over and over again in your life. You have these encounters, these experiences with God. Therefore, as the word of life is manifested in your life, you lay hold of assurance. John wants us to know that when you begin to doubt, go back to your experience with God. Go back to the time when God manifested his presence in your life and comprehend that. Now, if that has never happened, if there's never been a time when you've come into fellowship with God, if there's never been a time that God has manifested the word of life in your life, then that's a good indication you don't have a relationship with God. And if that's not been your experience, then this is the space where the Holy Spirit brings you to conviction. But if you have had that experience, those experiences with God are anchors of assurance to which you need to cling when seasons of doubt come into your lives. Flip over a couple of chapters to the last chapter of 1 John, 1 John chapter 5. John's going to mention another experience that, that we can lay hold of. In 1 John 5, 14 and 15, John says, this is the confidence, this is the assurance that we have toward him, toward Jesus, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. John says one of the experiences we have with God, one of the ways the word of life is manifested in our lives is through prayer. When you know God, when God knows you, when you have experienced fellowship with God, God answers your prayers. And so when God answers your prayers, it is evidence that God is at work in your life. It gives you this blessing. Blessed assurance. Look, if times of fellowship 
with God are not happening in your life. You have to question whether or not you are a child of God because fellowship is central to Christianity. Listen to me this morning. God did not create you just to learn doctrine. God did not create you just to memorize scripture. God did not create you just so you could practice spiritual disciplines. All those things are important, but God created you for more than that. God created you so he can have fellowship with you. And if you don't have fellowship with God, you don't have a relationship with God. So, I like to try to get us to a practical point. You go, Pastor, you're not even at your points yet. I promise they are somewhat short. So, If experiencing moments of fellowship with God are crucial to us laying hold of this blessed assurance that's available in the relationship with God, what can we do to experience those moments of fellowship? Another good question. Real quick, three things, real quick. Three things that put us in a position to experience fellowship with God. If you want to have fellowship with God, you want to lay hold of the blessed assurance, place yourself, number one, place yourself under the authority of God's Word. John makes a point repeatedly throughout the book of linking the activity of God to the Word of God. Even the verses that we looked at this morning, he talks about how the life was made manifest, that we have seen that, we have heard that which is from God. Remember, fellowship with God is a manifestation of the Word of life in your heart. If you want God to manifest himself to you. Do not get alone with yourself. Do not listen to your heart. You must place yourself under the authority of God's Word. Look, I know that the, the phrase, I know we're, 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 we're well-meaning in our intentions with this, but when someone tells you to follow your heart, don't do that because your heart is jacked up. Your heart is deceitful above all things. That's like you know, the college kid praying that God would, would, would give him a vehicle and he gets in the mail a credit application. He says, Jehovah Jireh. No! That's not how that works. Well, I just, I'm going to follow the, 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 the tug of my heart. That's what Adam and Eve did. They followed their heart. If you want God to to manifest, now, if your heart's in tune with God's heart, then when you follow your heart, you'll be following God's heart. But our hearts are not in tune to God's heart by default. And so if you want to see God manifest in your life, place yourself under the authority of God's Word. Get in the Word of God and ask God to get His Word in you. Spend time under the authority of the Word of God. Second, Pray for continual, deepened experiences with God. Okay, again, this, these are things that we can do to experience this fellowship. 
Pray for continual deepened experiences with God. Now, we just read the verses in John chapter 5 where John speaks to the role of prayer in laying hold of assurance. Let me, let me use one of, one of John's uh, other, uh, one, one of his friends, the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul, oftentimes in his letters, for example, in the book of Ephesians, he talks about how that his prayer for believers is that we would grow in our knowledge of the breadth and the height and the depth of the love that God has for us. There is this pattern in Scripture which calls us to pray for God to take us deeper in our relationship with Him. You and I, we need a greater sense of the love of God. Pray for it. We need a greater sense of the holiness of God. Pray for it. We need a a greater sense of the security that's found in God. Pray for it. I want to challenge you to do something, a serious challenge. For the next week, from this Sunday to next Sunday, I want you to make this a part of your prayer life. If you don't have a prayer life, start one today. I want you to make this a part of your prayer life. Pray this. God, today I pray that you will make me more aware of your fill-in-the-blank. God, when I wake up in the morning, God, today I pray that you will make me more aware today of your holiness. God, today, before my feet hit the ground, you know, some days you wake up and you say, good morning, Lord, and some days you wake up and say, good Lord, this morning, right? So you wake up, whether, you, whether it's a good, good morning, Lord, or good Lord, this morning, you, regardless, you pray, God, today, I pray that you would help me become more aware of your love for others, of your love for me. Pray I challenge you for the next week to make that a part of your prayer. And if you aren't closer in your fellowship with God then than you are now, I'll give you all the money I've got in my wallet right now. There's nothing in there. (laughs) But even if there was, I'd be confident that that will cause your fellowship with God to deepen. Pray for continual deepened experiences with God. And then third, practice obedience in your walk with God. Practice obedience in your walk with God. John makes a direct link between obedience and assurance. We do not obey, we do not obey in order to attain assurance, but it is that while we're in the process of obedience that we experience assurance. John says, and again, for time's sake, we won't read, read it in the context, but for example, in John chapter 3, verse 5, 1 John chapter 3, verse 5, John says, whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. Or, or he says in John chapter, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 24, whoever keeps his, his commandments abides in God and God in him. You say, look, Pastor, I don't always feel like obeying. Welcome to the club. And you know, I'm just going to be honest with you. You know what you got to do sometimes? You just got to obey and trust that the feelings will come later. Well, on those mornings when it's a good Lord, it's morning, not a good morning, Lord. Obedience doesn't come easily. And you, just, you have to obey for the sake of obedience. You just obey. Your, your job's not to feel good about obedience. Your job's to obey. And oftentimes, as you obey, the feelings will come later. You see, doubt often 
begins to creep in when we fail to obey. But when we practice obedience, our walk with God becomes more real to us and we lay hold of assurance. That's it. So, so <clears throat> practical and simple. To place yourself under the authority of God every day, to every day pray for God to give you a, con a continual to deepen experience with Him, and to practice that obedience in your walk with God. Remember, the first goal, and I'll, I'll try to put a bow on this in the next few minutes. The first goal that God has for you is not perfection. The first goal that God has for you is not even maturity. The first goal God has for you is fellowship. Jesus is proclaimed by John so that you too may have fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. My question to you this morning, whether you're sitting in this sanctuary or listening to us at home, my question for you is simple. Do you have fellowship with God today? Has that been your experience? Do you know Him? Not know about Him. Have you had an experience? Has there been a time in your life when you encountered a holy God and your encounter with his holiness was such that you confessed your sins and threw yourself at the mercy of Jesus. If that has been your experience, you have blessed assurance. If that has not been your experience, I've got some wonderful news for you today. It can be right now. Not a single person listening, whether you're listening to this today, whether you stumble upon it three years from now, not a single person has to go to hell. You can have a relationship with Jesus Christ today. It starts with the gospel. It ends with the gospel. Believe the gospel and God will invade your life. The word of life will take root. It will grow. And that word of life will provide you with the assurance that you need. Now let me ask you this as we prepare to end our time today. During this uh, COVID season, we are handling our time of commitment differently. But I believe that every time the gospel is prepared and presented, that it calls forth a response. Every single one of us, every person in this room, every person listening to us online, you must respond at this moment to the gospel. How you respond, that's between you and God. But I know that if you need to have a relationship with the Lord today, that he stands ready to give you that relationship. If you need to take the next step in your fellowship with God. Look, you're going to hear a testimony next week, Lord willing, we'll baptize next week. You're going to hear a testimony. I'll introduce you to someone that I had a chance to speak to this week who, uh, going into last week, didn't have the assurance, but God brought her to a point of conviction and she gave her life to Jesus because that's what the gospel does. And if you need to call out on Jesus today, you call out to him. You say, Pastor, I don't know how to take that next step. Well, we want to help you do that. After this service is over, I'm going to be at the next step desk. You go out this, these doors, look to your right, and I'll be standing there. I'll have my hand sanitized. I'll have a mask on. If you have a question about what it means to take the next step, 
and come by. Even if you don't have a question, we'd love to, to meet our guest. I'd uh, lo- love to greet you there for just a moment to say hello to you for, for a moment. I would love for you to stop by there. You can also let us know what decision you need to make. If, if you're here with us on site, you can look at the pew in front of you. There you'll find a yellow card. It's your next step card, and you can indicate what next step you need to take. And again, you can do that online as well at fbcmilton.org, or you can scan that QR code that's on the card here. If you're at home, uh, just go to our website and you can let us know the next step you need to take and we'll be glad to follow up with you as you take that next step. Our desire is not to see an uptick on uh, seats in a pew or anything else. Our desire is to see people come to know Jesus and to experience eternal life with him. And if you don't have that relationship, we'd love to introduce you to him today. As you leave today, if you brought your offering, you can drop that in the receptacles that are going to be uh, outside as you leave. Also, you can drop those decision cards or those connect cards, next step cards. You can just don't drop your trash in there. Anything else you can put in there, just don't put your trash in there or we'll deposit it at the bank. Uh, But uh, if you have something, uh, if you brought your offer today, you can certainly do that. Of course, we know there are a couple of storms out in in our area that are kind of churning toward our friends in Louisiana. We certainly want to be praying for them, but also we know we're certainly not not out of the clear yet. Uh, We will have a decision for Wednesday night uh, Bible study. Uh, We will make that decision to staff in the next day or two. We're going to wait and see exactly what happens. But we will post that on our church Facebook page. We will also send that out via email. So if you're thinking about coming Wednesday, you want to be sure that you check the Facebook page first or that you check your email if you get emails from us because we'll make that announcement and we'll publicize it to you in that way. Before uh, we have our benediction prayer, we want to be sure that we remember this coming week. Tomorrow's a big day. It starts back school here in Santa Rosa County. Some of our private schools have already been uh, been back for a week or so, but uh, countywide public schools begin tomorrow. Our teachers have been working feverishly uh, this past week and weeks prior to that, months prior to that, to get ready for this day. And uh, we have students that are returning as well. A lot of uncertainty, a lot of uh, uh, just instability in that environment. It's never been done before. So we want to encourage you to pray this week for our teachers and our students. I would encourage you before this day is done to drive by one of our schools, drive right uh, over to East Milton or or Milton High, Bear Hill, uh, wherever your vehicle takes you. And as you pass by there, eyes open if you're driving, pray for them and uh, ask God to, to watch over them this week. Again, guests, we're glad you're here. I hope that you'll come back and worship with us. Uh, Joey is going to dismiss us in prayer. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the message that was brought. Uh, what a comfort to know that you offer assurance through your word. Lord, we pray especially for teachers and students as we go back to school this week. Pray for protection and safety um, in these uncertain times. Lord, we pray for especially for uh, missionaries as well. Um, I can't imagine the the challenges that they face around the world. Um, Just pray that they would be encouraged um, to keep sharing, sharing your love. Lord, as we go from this place today. Just pray that you would keep us safe, um, that we would just be a light in a dark world. In your name I pray, amen.